Hello, and welcome to the Healed Podcast, the place where we can talk about all things food, body, and mind from an anti-diet and weight-inclusive lens. My name is Marie-Pierre, or you can call me Marie, and I am your host. I'm a registered dietitian with a background in psychology, and I specialize in food relationship and body image. And I am the founder and CEO of The Balance Practice, a treatment center for eating disorder and disordered eating. Every week on the podcast, you will hear from myself, the team at The Balance Practice, and other providers who have dedicated their careers in supporting folks to have better relationship with food and their bodies. On this podcast, we aim to provide a safe space to have these deep and juicy conversations regarding eating disorder, disordered eating recovery, health, relationship, body image, and honestly, anything we believe will support you in living your big, beautiful life. We believe in the power of healing, and hopefully this podcast will be a great addition to your toolbox in your healing journey. Thank you for tuning in today, and let's get to the podcast. Welcome back to The Healed Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre. I'm so pumped to be here with you today. I'm so excited the podcast is like back on track. I hope that you have loved this rebrand and I'm really excited about it. Actually today, as you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening when it's actually being released, I'm actually in Italy, which is super exciting. I have been planning this trip for many, many months with my dad and we are going for 10 days together. And I'm pumped. I'm pumped. As I'm actually recording this podcast, I am a few weeks out before going on this trip. And let me tell you, planning a trip when you are recovered, when you have a great relationship with food and body is so different than, you know, when you have an eating disorder or disordered eating. And I remember um, one of the exercises that I had to do in my own recovery was about like recovery goals and what you aspire, kind of like your life to be once you're recovered and what you want to be able to think about and do kind of like that mental health pie chart that we do. And one of the big things that I had was I want to be able to travel and learn about different cultures without worrying about food, without needing to restrict before going on vacation and while being able to be present and included in the photos. I remember that there's so many trips that I have done in the past. Um, and I mean, I have a lot of privilege that I was able to travel when I was younger with my family and in my teens. And I just remember that I just would not want to be in photos. I didn't. And if I was, I would delete them like pretty much right away. And a lot of it was because the way I felt in my body and honestly, just having an eating disorder and disordered eating, believing that my body was not good enough to be captured. And now looking back, like it's so sad to see that like I'm not, you know, part of those memories or I don't have these photos to remember. I mean, it's not that you need photos, but not being able to be in photos because of how you feel in your body is quite different. So this trip here that we're planning is feels so different because I'm really able to focus on, you know, how I want to feel and what do I want experiences? And is there places I want to go try to like eat? Is there things that I want to be able to try? And for those of you who don't know, on my dad's side, um, my roots are Italian. So uh, on my grandfather's side, they're from Italy. So we're actually going back to the ancestors village on this trip, which is super exciting. And actually one of my clients last year inspired me to start doing more 
um, cooking um, and Italian cooking. So when we were working on her relationship to food and healing, something that was important to her that really helped her was getting back to her roots. And she like bought some cooking books that were from her like specific culture. And she wanted to reignite the joy of eating through her culture, which I thought was like, first of all, so freaking cool. Um, And I decided to follow suit. and do the same thing um, and really look at, you know, Italian cuisine and things that are a little bit more specific to the village that my grandfather's from. Um, So I feel like extra excited for this trip to be able to kind of visit and experience that. And with all of that, like I said, like I feel so grateful that I have done the work to recover, that I have gone through the recovery process so I can truly experience this. And it's a little bit like a full circle moment where like, I remember wishing for this. Like I remember wanting this, not believing that it could happen, not believing that I could one day be in a space where I felt truly at peace with my body without weight loss, actually weighing more now than I ever have in my life and still being really good with myself, with my body and like excited to experience life. And then it happens. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, amazing. Like it's just such a big moment. So wanted to share that with you. And then I would also invite you if you are in the process of healing your relationship with food and your body, even writing maybe one thing down, like what would you want to experience differently? Maybe something you're experiencing now in a way that's you know, tainted by diet culture, by your eating disorder, by disordered eating. And how would you want to experience that differently? And then we can work towards making that happen, which is so beautiful. Well, today on this podcast, we are going to be talking about the role of community in healing. And this is in podcast that's so important to me because in the last, I'm going to say like two, three years, the practice has really started to shift from a individualized approach. So like one-on-one care only to include including community to almost all of the services that we have. And this was not done by mistake. This was very intentional. Here at the practice, um, you know, no matter where you are on the eating spectrum, like we have different types of groups component and community component to really support you in your healing. And again, there's a reason for that. And we are going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about why having a community and how having a community can actually be quite supportive in your healing journey. Hey, hey, I'm just stopping this podcast episode to let you know about our upcoming workshop. So on September 29th at 12 p.m. Eastern time, Jasna, one of our amazing dietitians here at The Balance Practice, will be offering a workshop on eating disorder recovery and diabetes. It's called How Sweet Is Recovery? Super cute name, right? So in this workshop, we're going to be talking about, you know, um, chronic health management as you are in recovery. So how can we recover and heal our relationship with food in our body when we have different conditions such as diabetes. So if you are someone who has, you know, maybe both diagnosis, maybe you have an eating disorder and diabetes, or maybe you're pre-diabetic, or maybe you're someone who has a health concern, but still wants to heal their relationship with food, I would highly, highly, highly recommend joining this workshop because we really believe that health exists outside of diet culture. Health exists without restriction. Health exists 
without any diets. And we get to be conscientious of the foods that we eat without being restrictive, without engaging in eating disorder or disordered eating behaviors. So in this workshop, you're going to learn more about that with Jasna. So if you want to sign up, you can go to www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash LC workshop, and it is only $10 to join. All right, let's get back to the episode. So before we get into talking about the benefits of community, I want to talk about the opposite. And I want to talk about social isolation or isolation in general and loneliness. Something that I feel like COVID just brought more awareness to, which we knew before, but I think COVID really kind of highlighted that is that social isolation and loneliness has a significant toll on our mental health, especially when we look at children and youth. And with COVID, because we were forced to isolate, we were able to see the impact of that isolation so much more. So not only was there a lot of different factors such as lifestyle changes and like a really big consumption of social media and maybe health, you know, fears, but experts really believe that loneliness and social isolation played a critical role in the increased prevalence of eating disorders and in the relapse of eating disorders, right? And to me, it makes so much sense because we often talk about, you know, disordered eating and eating disorders are illnesses of like shame, right? When someone has an eating disorder, or if you have disordered eating, we know that there's typically quite a lot of shame involved, right? It kind of is one of the factors that that maintains those disordered behaviors. And we know that shame grows in isolation, right? It thrives. And so does eating disorder and disordered eating. When we are isolated, when we don't feel connected, when we are alone and when we feel lonely, all of those um, aspects can be quite triggering for the individual to engage in eating disorder and disordered eating behaviors, right? We also see that lonely and isolation in general, so outside of just eating disordered, disordered eating, is also impactful on you know folks' mental health and physical health. And what's really interesting is that here in North America, we live in a very like individualistic community and culture, right? Where everybody's kind of isolated. We're all like doing our own thing. There's not as much a sense of community as you know other cultures and countries may have. So even when we look at the social determinants of health. What we see is that people are social creatures by nature, right? When we look at the different determinants, and some of them are like income and education, employment, food security, housing, social inclusion is in there, discrimination is in there. And research shows that a lack of social connection can lead to poor health outcomes, right? And when again, I think about the, and again, when I think about recovery and healing, it is so hard to do one by yourself and in isolation. Because when we are asking ourselves to heal, when we are asking ourselves to recover, we're asking ourselves to do something quite difficult, right? We're asking ourselves to challenge the eating disorder, the disordered eating, to uproot some beliefs, to really be able to, you know, change and recover in a sustainable way. So if we know that isolation and loneliness really impacts our mental health, and we're trying to recover at the same time, we can see how it may not be favorable to the recovery process. So the good news in this is that if 
the lack of social connection has such a negative impact on health, it stands to good reason that the opposite is also true. So more connection, more community can actually be extremely supportive. Some public health research actually estimate that anywhere between 40 to 80% of health and wellness is tied to social factors more than the actual behaviors. So now we're going to talk a little bit about like, okay, so how does that impact folks who are living with eating disorder, disordered eating? And how do we kind of leverage this community piece to really be helpful in our own recovery journey? All right. So we're going to talk about the different ways that community can be really helpful in the healing and recovery process. So I'm going to be going through three big reasons why we want to potentially be including community in your care. The first piece is this feeling and this sensation of belonging. Communities and being part of a community can support us in having a sense of belonging, which is one of our core needs as a human. We want to belong. And when we feel the opposite, and again, going back to the isolation, that's where we see that the disordered eating and eating disorder behavior can come up quite a lot, right? As a way to cope. So when we are able to identify to a group, to belong to a group, it is really helpful for not only our mental health, but really in terms of like meeting our own like emotional needs, right? Also belonging to a group who are also working towards recovery, right? So not just like any group, but maybe folks who are also in the process of recovery, process of healing, really supports in lowering the shame that we may feel because we now can see that we're not alone. We're not the only one struggling. There's other folks out there who are also struggling and we get to get support each other through that journey as well. But really it's that piece of lowering the shame that can happen when we feel a sense of belonging to a community. Any type of eating disorder recoveries, and I want to be clear here that they have to be very pro-recovery. I'm not talking about eating disorder groups that are pro-eating disorders, right? So that's a big distinction, but pro-recovery groups and communities can be really helpful to make people feel accepted, connected, and reduce the shame and stigma around having an eating disorder. So the second thing, and I kind of alluded to it previously, but it's support and community support, right? So we've talked already that when we tend to recovery and healing is challenging, right? It's inherently uncomfortable to choose recovery. And having support from a community that is going through that same process can be extremely supportive. Again, it reduces the feelings of loneliness and isolation. It allows us to really develop new coping skills as we are, you know, relying on our social circles. So an eating disorder will thrive when we isolate and we maybe don't have other types of support system aside from our disordered behaviors that have kind of been there to support us. When we start kind of expanding that support system, when we start looking outside of ourselves and looking at that community piece as a way to get some of that support, it can be extremely supportive in moving away from disordered eating and eating disorder. Knowing that there's people who are also going through this and can support you through the process can really be positive for your recovery outcomes. Communities also offer a really good way to model positive 
behavior, right? So when we have disordered eating or eating disorder, again, we can kind of feel really stuck in like our disordered ways or even the way that we think, or there can be a lot of like hopelessness that can set in. And when we are in a group and we are witnessing other people heal, we're witnessing other people move through recovery and choose recovery and engage in recovery behaviors, it can be extremely motivating. And modeling those behaviors can be really positive for people's treatments. You know, even thinking about this piece of like, if something works for someone and they're able to share their experience, like we can learn so much from each other. And I think for myself, like I do see myself as an expert in this field and being able to support, but you know, everybody has different lived experience, different situations. And when we run groups and we're able to kind of tie into all of that, right? Like it really adds a lot of value because I only have my perspective with my lived experience, with my education, with my clinical experience. But when we bring folks together who have, you know, just diversity in their own experience, the quality of conversation and of tools that can be shared is really different. So even for that piece of like being able to really, again, support each other, rely on each other, and then encourage and motivate each other to continuously choose recovery it can make quite a big difference in treatment. And the last part that I want to connect on when we think of communities, it can be a way to feel connected and safe. A lot of us with experience with disorder eating and eating disorder can feel, you know, physically isolated if you isolate yourself, but there can also be the perception of isolation due to the fact that we may believe that, and you know, other people don't get it. And sometimes it's true, you know, like some people just don't get it. And community can really offer for this safe space for for you to be vulnerable and to connect with folks who like they do get it, you know, and they share that lived experience with you and are able to support you through it. I think that part is also so beautiful when we think of the community aspect, because it really allows, you know, more connection, more support, more belonging, which are all big, you know, human needs that we have and can be extremely supportive in treatment. Now, that being said, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have a community. I don't know how to get one. I do want to say that, you know, recovery is possible even without the community piece. You know, I really see community and recovery almost as like putting gasoline on a fire. Like it just like lights things up faster and brighter. And it really just allows us to get through a lot of the recovery treatment. And I don't want to say it in an easier way, because again, recovery is inherently uncomfortable, but I really just think it's extremely supportive to maintain that recovery that we are going through. And community can look very different, right? And every person's recovery may look different. Every person's community and circle may look different. But I'll give you a few examples of who do we think about when we think of a community? So one, we can think of our family, right? We can think of our parents, our siblings, our partners as part of our, you know, recovery community and allies. We can also think about, you know, our friends. We can think about online communities, again, that need to be pro-recovery, that needs to be said, group programs. And like here at The Bounce Practice, we have um, the Bounce Program for folks with disordered eating. So that's a group where you can feel, you know, safe and heal your relationship with group uh, with food in your body in a community setting. There's also like your care team. So your dietitian, your therapist, your physician um, that can really be supported 
supportive for you and provide that collaborative care for you as well. And then any type of recovery groups, right? So like we have the eating disorder recovery program that includes a group therapy and meal support. And even the families get a community aspect. Like even family support is done in a group setting because it makes so much sense to do that, right? And it's so supportive for folks as well. So we can see that we can look at our recovery differently, where you don't have to do it by yourself. And actually continuing to do it in isolation may just make things that much harder on you to do. So we'll want to start looking at cool, like what type of community can you add? What type of community do you have access to that would be helpful in your recovery? I really believe that community care and adding more community aspect to eating disorder treatment is really where treatment is going and where it needs to be. I really believe that when we can have a more collaborative and community-based approach to eating disorder treatment, we're going to see really great recovery outcomes, right? We don't don't have to do it by ourselves. We're not islands. We can really engage the power of community in our own healing and really find those spaces where we belong and we can thrive as humans. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I want a community, like that would be so good. <laughs> um, we have two different ways that you can join a community here at The Bounce Practice. So if you have an eating disorder, uh, our eating disorder recovery program would be the best space for you. So within the eating disorder recovery program, we have a combination of individualized care to have your treatment personalized to you with groups. So we have meal support, family support, and group therapy that is all, again, community-based to really support your treatment outcomes. And then we also have the balance program, which is for folks who have disordered eating. So not a subclinical or clinical eating disorder, but that being said, require um, support in healing their relationship with food and their body. And this is a six-month group program. So there's no one-on-one, though it can be added if you want more support. That's no issue. But what we really focus on is that group setting where we meet weekly, where you have your, you know, folks where you belong and we are able to heal together. So all of that will be linked in the show notes. So you can definitely check it out if that interests you and you want to join one of the two. You can definitely send us an email at info at the bounce practice. I cannot stress the impact of, you know, adding community in your care, even if it's not, you know, through us whoever it would be like just making sure that that can be included I think is going to make the world of a difference because we don't need to go through this you know in silos and we don't need to be by ourselves we get to have that sense of belonging with folks who are doing this work too This podcast is brought to you by The Balance Practice, an eating disorder treatment center across the province of Ontario. We are a team of dietitians and therapists who specialize in eating disorder care. We support teens, adults, couples, and families in healing their relationship with food and their bodies so they can live the full, beautiful life that they want. If you are interested in services, you can go to www.thebalancepractice.com and we'll see you there. So on that note, my friend, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. I hope that you've learned from it. Please let me know on Instagram what you learned and what you'd like to hear more of. And on that note, my friend, I will catch you next week in the next podcast episode. Mm -hmm.